when you start to feel good and strong about your body that you do feel empowered in many aspects of your life and it's just how not not just how you hold your body but how you present yourself up out into the world and the energy you bring about when you enter a room and to your relationships whether it's your partner or to your kids or to your aging parents or any of those things having that strength and flexibility organically fuels empowerment hi i'm melanie barr welcome to the she built it experience with melanie you're here because you want to experience the life and business that you crave join me as i talk to women who have successfully built it a career and business that they love we dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively create successful teams implement strategies for growth and infuse tech innovation Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Pure Bar founder Carrie Dorr is one of the country's most sought after fitness experts, mentors, and industry disruptors. From humble roots, she started the Pure Bar franchise from a janitor's closet in Detroit. She went on to open over 100 locations around the U.S. before selling it in 2015. She shares with us she's launching O44 and on to a new fitness venture. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. You are the founder of Pure Bar, a franchise you started from a janitor's closet in Detroit. You went on to open over 100 locations around the U.S. before selling it in 2015. How did you come up with the idea of Pure Bar and what led you to the moment when you decided to make your leap and launch your business? I started in Metro Detroit in 2001, and prior to that, I had grown up halftime on the soccer fields and halftime in the dance studio, so always had a passion for fitness and athletics and choreographed fitness, which then pushed me into group fitness when I was graduating from high school, loved teaching group fitness, and then went to college and law school in Michigan. And the whole time teaching everything under the sun, group fitness wise, as well as choreographing large venue events. So like Super Bowls and SeaWorlds and Disney. And when I got out of law school, all of those gigs were not making a dent at my loan payment. So I took a job as a lawyer and I practiced for two years, still teaching, uh, saved up my money and opened my first studio in 2001. And yes, it was a janitor's closet because no one wanted to rent me space because I had no credibility, no credit, no investors. When I heard that about you, I thought I cannot wait to hear this, but it's great that you pushed through and did it anyway. I think the other reason was boutique fitness didn't exist. Everyone was still working out in the big boxes and the clubs. And that's where I taught because boutique fitness, just there were a couple of yoga studios, but certainly not like the core power and the soul cycle and what we have today. The concept was foreign to landlords, as well as trying to explain what they called barre and pilots instead of bar and Pilates. Trying to explain what that was. They didn't feel good about it. So yes, there was a little janitor's closet in the basement of this building. No bathroom. It was about 600 square feet. The landlord was storing all the mops in there and all the janitorial equipment. I said, could you just rent me that space? And you're not making money in that space anyway. And finally he agreed. And then that's how it all started. Such an inspiring story that you pushed through. You could have thought, oh, well, I can't get space. I'll do something else. But I love that you just did it anyway. That's a big part of being an entrepreneur is that you kind of just keep going. There's always another way. There's always a different way to look at things or a different way to get there. You believe fitness franchising is broken and that COVID has changed the fitness industry for good. 
Yes. Let's start with why COVID's changed the fitness industry for good. And that is because it's changed the consumer behavior. That was already starting before COVID hit. At first, it was an education piece and convincing people that they were going to come and pay $20, $25 a class for only that discipline versus paying $99 for the month and getting all sorts of things, all sorts of classes, plus childcare, plus a pool, plus a weight room and all that. And you're like, we're going to pay $20 for what? Just this Pilates class, just this bar class. So that took a while to educate the consumer. And then they realized, oh, the, the programming and the quality of the programming and the teaching is so much better that yes, this makes sense. I'm not going to have my gym membership anymore. And I'm going to come to, let's call it Pure Bar. I'm going to come to Pure Bar five days a week. I'm going to come six days a week. Well, then enter all these other different modalities with boutique fitness. And they said, oh, well, I'm going to do bar one day and yoga one day and spin cycling, whatever one day and boxing the next day. Great for the consumer as far as choices, but for the studio owner as a business model, it was taking a hit because the frequency is way down for the business owner. And then you add in things like class pass, whatever. That's a different topic. I was topic, just going but... to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, enter a class pass. That's right. Probably a win in the consumer column, but making it much more challenging for studio owners to be profitable. So then with COVID and the move to online fitness, because people needed to be able to work out at home, that shipped away at it again. And so here we are post the height of the pandemic. and. Consumer behavior really has permanently changed personally and from what we're seeing. And not that people aren't going back to the studios because they absolutely are. And the studios offer something different. In in In-person instruction is irreplaceable in my mind. But the frequency is even less because now you have a consumer that's maybe going into the studio once or twice a week. And then let's say she she wants to work out um, at home once or twice a week because it's efficient. And that's to deal with parking, especially if you have kids, you can squeeze it in, you can do it in your pajamas, all that stuff. And then she wants to be outside, maybe walking or running or hiking or doing something with a friend out in nature. That's a, it's a fabulous combination. However, you kind of look at the studio owner again and go, well, how is she going to make money? And the franchising model has just not been set up to accommodate that, especially for a single unit franchisee. So I think moving forward with fitness franchising, you really have to take a look at how it's been done and how the consumer behavior has changed and then evolve into what it should look like moving forward. And I'm smiling because I'm someone who got used to working out at home or going outside. And I just signed my son up for swimming lessons. And I thought, oh, I belong to this gym. Maybe I should go in and start being in the gym again. Because you're right. It's sometimes it's more efficient. And I have twins and younger kids, but also shifts throughout a person's life too. Most definitely. So yes, I have twins too. My twins are nine. I have two nine-year-olds and a 10-year-old. I have two nine-year-olds too, (laughs) a boy and a girl. So you get it. You get that phase of life. We see that with studio ownership. We see that with consumers. And now I see, I have a little studio here in Carmel. And it's different. The cycle of life now that their kids are starting to get older, they're able to come back into the studio. And there's just much more of an appreciation for being able to be in person and connect with other women, doing something for yourself versus for your kids. As a mom, you connect with other moms like on the soccer sideline or when you're waiting for gymnastics pickup or whatever. But it's different when you're working out together it's a different kind of energy and connection because it's like you're there for you. You're not there for your kids. 
it breeds a different energy and a different conversation. And I laugh because in the early days, but we're always like, okay, I have classes every on the hour. I got to end right at 50 minutes and get the next group in and out. And now at this studio here with this life cycle, well, I'm kind of want to back the classes up because everyone needs to stay around and be able to talk. And I want more time. I also, so note that instead of them wanting to be here four or five times a week, they want to be here once or twice a week. And then they want to do the program at home. Again, like we just talked about, they want to be outside. So there is a way, there's definitely a way where franchising can work and the fitness industry can work. I just think it needs to be retooled and it needs to be rethought. Yeah. So they're going to be a hybrid. Yeah. How do you think women and men approach fitness differently? I've been teaching for 30 years, mostly women. I can tell you from my experience women, well, how they work out is different from what I see with most men. And it could be because the kind of programming I create is always choreographed and to the beat it's musically driven, but that's a big distinguishing difference is that the, at least the women that come to the programming I put together, they like to move to the beat and, and not that they're necessarily on the beat, but they like that it's driven by the music and men, it's mostly background noise. And I also think women like that flow. They don't like the downtime in between positions, right? Because I, I find that our brains are kind of neurotic, mine included. And, and so it needs a lot to think about to keep it in the room, in my body. Whereas men, I find they kind of like those breaks. They like to take a break between things. You're so right. We're so planned and rigid and scheduled. So when you get to do something with it that flows... It feels good to your mind and your body. It does. I've always recognized that. And that's why you'll hear me say time and time again, I would never bash any type of workout or movement because in, in my mind, any movement is good movement. It's better than no movement. But I do believe there's a difference in quality of programming. And a lot of really great programming comes from programmers who understand the importance of flow and how to choreograph for flow. Meaning if I'm choreographing for a reformer program, what X amount of exercises I can do without having to do a spring load switch. Why? Because every time I have to go reach down and switch a spring, it gives my brain an opportunity to leave the room. And now I'm thinking about, did I pack so-and-so's lunch? Then I'm out of my body and I'm no longer getting the benefits that I could be getting. So that's where that comes in. I know I feel better mentally when I feel good about myself physically. How are you inspiring women to do this? I think it happens organically that when you start to feel good and strong about your body, that you do feel empowered in many aspects of your life. And it's just how, not, not just how you hold your body, but how you present yourself up out into the world and the energy you bring about when you enter a room and to your relationships, whether it's your partner or to your kids or to your aging parents or any of those things, having that strength and flexibility organically fuels empowerment. It's so true because often we think, oh, if I work out, I'll be tired, but it's the opposite. When we work out, we usually feel better afterwards. And especially if we do it consistently. Yeah, you definitely should. It used to be like, if you feel like you've been hit by a truck, it was a sign of a good workout. And it's like, well, actually that's not true. You should feel like you've worked, but you should feel energized. And um, that's what your workout program should do for you. Many fitness studios are owned by private equity today. What has been your experience and what do you think about it? So my experience was I opened my first studio in 2001. And then the way I started fueling 
the capital to grow it was I would build up one and then I would end up selling it to usually a teacher who had been in working in the studio, really understood the brand was a great fit. And then I would move to another city location, do the same thing. So go in grassroots, nobody knew about it, build it up, find the sign and build the team and then sell that one and then take that cash. And so that's how I got to 100 was really by starting that. And then franchising people came in and, and they started wanting to open their own locations. So at a hundred locations, it was myself and two employees and is a very different running a franchise system versus running your own concept, the concept that you founded that you're really passionate about. As you can imagine, I mean, there's a ton of legal and accounting and, and audit and reporting and management and it's a beast. It's a franchising is a different beast. And I found that I had put myself in a position where I wasn't really doing much of what I loved anymore. And I was running the system as I should have been. And at that time, it needed a lot more infrastructure. So with with franchising and location numbers, it has a certain feel from like zero to 50, 50 to 100. And then when you get towards 100, it, it really shifts as far as like what it's going to need. And I saw it. And I didn't want to be the person to build out that infrastructure. I had fallen in love. I had gotten married. I was pregnant with my son. And it was the first time that I got a little nervous of like, all my chips are on the table here. What if something happens? I need to pull some chips out and I don't want to build out this infrastructure. And looking back now, though, it's taken me a long time to see this. I had a lot of fear over the size. I didn't have a mentor and running a company that size and not having anyone supporting you got a little scary. So I decided though, it was a good time to bring a private equity and I sold the majority interest, resigned as CEO and moved over to chief of innovation. So that was my introduction to private equity was that first deal. And that was 2012. Thank you for being honest about that. Because so often when we're going to have kids or something, we're doing a life shift. We look at our lives and think, can I keep up with this? Do I even want to keep up with this? Like you said, you can do the operation side, but maybe you want to focus on something else. Because look at what you had built. Yeah. A lot changes after you've had children as an entrepreneur. And I can speak to that firsthand because I'm building another company right now and launching it currently. And there was, there's some naivete to being able to do things when you're younger, when you're not a mom. And a perfect example is like, if I write a check now for something, I equate it to tuition or grocery. Whereas before, if I was going to write a check for something business related, and it had a lot of risk associated with it, it didn't even really phase me because it was like, well, I'm just taking care of myself and I don't have really anything to lose. So it's very different now. It's heavier. It's harder. It's definitely harder. So tell us about what you're creating now. Yes. So after I had three kids and turned 40 and I had been doing the bar style workout for a very long time, loved it, served me well. And I found myself though, plateauing, like not, not maintaining or, or getting the results that I used to physically, mentally, I couldn't stay in it. Like we just talked about staying in your workout, which to have a workout that worked so long for me says a lot about that programming, but I, I was entering a different phase of my life. I wanted heavier resistance, larger range of motion. I wanted to put my sneakers back on like I used to do. I just needed something very different, more dynamic range of motion. So I got to work at creating that. We were living in Boulder at the time. And, oh, I've always needed like a tiny little space to work out at home. I asked my husband to tear down this little shed in the backyard 
that had a lawnmower in it. There was a cross beam across the top when he tore it, tore it down the interior. And I was like, there's a spot to get resistance from overhead. And then we had moved to Denver and I had this little tiny incubator studio there that I was practicing because I was trying to get the cardio into the actual workout. That was something else I also needed. I didn't have time to do with the kids. I didn't have time to hike or cardio and my strength training is just not happening. Like I needed everything to happen in 45 minutes. Then in Denver, I was working on that piece and the pandemic hit. And so I thought, well, how am I going to get this workout to freestanding? So you could do it at home if you needed to without being in a studio and having a wall. Uh, and so then I worked on the plyo box. And then, and then uh, we moved out here to California. And I had that last reformer piece come in because I was trying to figure out how to get their programming onto the reformer. The programming is this athletic style of bar and Pilates, and it's on a resistance wall that I created in a plyometric box, freestanding on the plyo box and or on these Marathew performance reformers. It fits the bill for everything I've worked on. It's just a natural progression evolution of programming. It's called O44. The O stands for Michelle Obama and the 44 in numerology symbolizes a business that's meant and it's built to help others. So that's where the O and the 44 come from. And so that is the concept I'm launching right now. So I love that. And it gives a combination of strength training and cardio. It sure does all in one. And where are you in launching? I have a little incubator studio here in Carmel, California, and we were testing markets. I have two fantastic groups of teachers in Maui, Hawaii, and Vail, Colorado. I know we're like in the three most obscure, spectacular places. I'm going to Maui in a week. So, oh, yes. Okay. We'll introduce you. And so I really started the testing the programming there because me, it's, I've always been about who are the best people for the brand, the best teachers and the best studio owners, rather than geographically, where should we put this? Which in franchising, it's pretty standard procedure that you grow a region at a time just for efficiency sake. But I never did it that way. I always just went with people first. I had people in Vail and Maui. So we started testing it out in those markets and here because I'm here and it's gone extremely well. So very well received. Everyone's super excited about it. And thus the very recent decision to franchise the system. So that's what we're working through now. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. We've talked about all the things you love to do, but what is one way that you make sure to find and live your joy each day? A lot of joy comes from being present and not being in the past and not being in our heads and not being in the future, trying to stop and pause. And this is good advice because I know a lot of our listeners do not slow down and we have to intentionally think about slowing down, doing those things for ourselves. It's true. One thing I've noticed that helps me personally, especially with the kids is eye contact. If I can look at my kids when they're talking to me, it makes me stop versus most of the time. I'm doing 55 things while I'm talking to them. That presence brings joy. You're not going to be present all the time. It's impossible for all of us. You can do a few moments every day. It's a start. Thank you for joining us today. You built an incredible business and I know you will build an incredible second one. Can't wait to try it out and learn more about it. Please share with us how and where we can find you and where we can find O44. Yes. So the website's o44way.com because the overarching brand is o44way and it's the same Instagram. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. 
Reach out to me at hello at shebuiltit.com on our She Built It website or at She Built It on social. Thank you to my editor, Rich Streffolino, who always makes us sound good. Until next time, let nothing stop you from experiencing the life and business that you crave.